everyone. Welcome back to Unfrequently Asked Questions, the brotherly battle of the brains. I'm Max Hadkowski, and I've eaten nothing but nachos from Chuck E. Cheese's for the last three years. And I'm Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> no, now, no, 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 no. You don't do that. You don't I'm, lie to our people. I'm Michael Hodkowski. Thank you. And I'm Oprah Winfrey as well. Wait, if you're Oprah Winfrey, Oprah Winfrey, if you're... Max is having a stroke, everyone. I'm so sorry. If you're Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> he's, he's on How do you the, say her name? He's on the floor. He's freaking out. I'm so sorry. I should be calling 911, but I kind of just want to watch him suffer for a while. Look, if you're this rich, why are you here? Why are you doing this with me? I don't know why Oprah Winfrey does anything anymore. She That's she just true. she but she keeps showing up and people keep paying her and she doesn't need the money. But look, I could understand I understand wanting to help people. Like I would like to help people. I want to help people and if I was rich, I like to think I'd be helping people. But I do also want to say I feel like there's a point where you get old enough and rich enough where you just don't care anymore. Does she have children? No, I don't. Yeah, believe she so. doesn't have like. Her she own might. Family. She might though. I don't she know exactly. I, I, I don't know um, enough. If you know Oprah, please call in Miss Winfrey, and let us know, because I, I don't want to give false information. Right. Right. Yeah. At any rate, this is unfrequently asked questions. We're a trivia podcast. Both of us show up with five questions, and we ask each other them. And there's a little scoring system, and there's also a tiebreaker. And we're about to go into that, but I just want to clarify a couple of things. Uh, some of our eagle, I was going to say eagle-eyed listeners, some of our listeners with really good intuity, that's not a word, um, were able to pick up that I accidentally said in our first episode that Victor Hugo wrote 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. It is actually Jules Verne. I apologize. I know better. In fact... We record next to my bookcase where I have two copies of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I both say Jules Verne. No, I just have two. Okay. But I have three Jules Verne books. Just only two of them are 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I'll also, it is unfrequently asked questions. Yes, we know infrequently is the proper term, but we were not able to get that podcast title, so we went with unfrequently. So with that, uh, Max, we got some questions, right? Yeah, absolutely. We've got some questions. We'll run through our five questions. Each of us can get a total of three points per question. So in theory, we could each get 15 points, which will probably never, ever happen. Ever. Yes. Do you want me to go first? Why not? Go for it. Okay, Michael. Who were the first people to use a system of taxation? Um, I really wanted to find the first person to make like taxes, but I realized instantly... It's probably a very old institution, so I should go with like a, a, some sort of group of people, right? I'd say the Babylonians. The Babylonians is incorrect, mm. though I'm sure they had a taxation system. Well, yeah. probably, right? Yeah. Um. So if then I'd say the Big Egyptians, nation. perhaps. The excuse me, say it again. The Egyptians. The Egyptians. Can you get a little bit more specific than that, or the ancient Egyptians? <laughs> I mean, not the ones yes. currently. I mean, I know the ones currently do taxation, but I don't think they came up with it. Yeah. Yeah, Are yeah we that's talking true. about, uh, the, oh, is this the, the old kingdom? Yes. Yes. The, I'll give you points for that. The first dynasty of the old kingdom? Yes. 100% right. The first dynasty of the old Egyptian kingdom around 3000 to 2800 BC. They have some documentation about it. 
the pharaoh would do um, a biannual tour after a festival of Horus, and they would ask for tits and sometimes uh, granary pieces. And did you? Well, I'm sorry. Can you? Did you just say tits? Tits. T i t tithes. Tithes. It's pronounced tithes. It's not pronounced tits. Money. Money. Oh my god, I thought you were saying tits, <laughs> tits repeatedly, and I was like, this is, and I'm well, sure the hey, listeners were up, like, the listeners were like, hold up, and was... try to, they were like, in, they're in their car trying to commute, and they're just trying to go back, and they end up rear-ending someone, because you just said tits four times. <laughs> there, was, there was, there was a word that you said wrong, that I thought was like a common word, and you kept saying it wrong. Granted, I don't know English, so that's my excuse. Yeah, I mean, no one says tithes anymore, but tits. You just keep saying tits. And I was like, tits. I was like, well, I was I like, I tits. get, I get. It was a king, and I get people abuse their power, but now to be like, hey, show me some tits. Hey, give me your tits, sir. We're all men here. All right. Well, it I don't comes. Care. The word comes from being like a tenth of the product, a tenth yes. of the value. But anyway, obviously, the pharaoh said, "Well, of course, it's my rightful position to take this money from you as head of state and the incarnation of the god Horus." I like that it was after a festival, so everyone just had a great party. I'm just assuming everyone across the nation was hungover, and he just stole shit from their hungover corp- corpses. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Like a dick. Awesome. Well, that was a good one. I like yeah, that. Yeah, hey, yeah, that you got good. two points. Congratulations. Yeah, I got two points. Okay, Max, here's yeah. my first question. Give it to me, please. So we know about the at least four base elements of ancient mythology. We know about the six wives of Henry VIII, and we know about the three Caballeros. But who the hell were the four sheriffs? Oh, man. Okay, so this is some, like, cosmic mythological thing. So, um... Okay, hold on. You related this to the four elements. You related this to what else? The six wives of Henry VIII. Right. Okay, that's a common trivia fact. And every trivia person should know, and I don't. And three caballeros. The three, I don't think I know that one, but that was a Disney movie with oh. Donald Duck. Oh, we're three caballeros, three gay caballeros. We say we are birds of a feather. Okay. Um. Enough of that. Thank you. <laughs> the four sheriffs were synonymous with the four horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> no. Damn. No. Damn it. I did think about that. I'm like, no, that's not my answer. Because I was thinking, like, maybe one sheriff is the sheriff of death, and the other sheriff is the sheriff of, like, law of men. It's like other... a Western fantasy you could write about that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> For whatever reason, and probably because I said law earlier, I really want to say Jude Law is one of these four sheriffs. God, I wish. Um,. How many no. did I? That was a two guesses. I guess that was two guesses because I asked the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and then separately I asked death or like taxation or, or law. No, no, I I'd loop that into one. Okay, and then right. I thought Jude Law was your second one. Yeah, let's say Jude Law is my second. Yes, then Jude Good. Law is all four of them. <laughs> Just four incarnations of Jude Law. Yeah, the four sheriffs. I don't know. I I uh, I guess my last guess will be. Four specific presidents, like Andrew Jackson, and I don't know who else it would be. Maybe Tyler, Taylor, Tyler. Um, no. Okay. So the four sheriffs were, or would have been, would have been the United States, 
the United Kingdom, oh my God, the Union of Socialist Soviet Republics, and Nationalist China. So the four sheriffs was... Sorry, who was before China? Uh, the Soviet Union. Soviet Union. I just used the full term. The full term in English. Right. Um, so the Soviet Union and all these other countries, they were part of allies in World War II. Roosevelt had a plan for the United Nations. That The United Nations was what they called all the allies. And he said, okay, we're going to have a new thing, replace the League of Nations. And the idea was there would be these four powers would kind of rule the world. They would be in charge of their own, like the U.S. would be in charge of the Western Hemisphere. Central Asia and Eastern Europe would be the Soviet Union. Western Europe and the rest of its empire would be all to be Britain. And the Asia-Pacific region would be China, nationalist China. And they would be the powers enforcing peace. And they would be the only ones to have weapons more advanced than a rifle. Like, that's how the idea was every other country was going to demilitarize to such an extent. That's amazing. Like, that was Roosevelt's plan. Like, this was going to be the four shares would be the executive branch. There'd be the executive branch, and then the four shares would be the, um, you know, enforcement branch, and then there'd be an assembly. And the yeah. idea that any other country in the United Nations would just not have weapons. Yep. Period, and, at and, all. These, and these nations would enforce this. Now, this was also nationalist China, not communist China, because they were in the middle of a civil war. They kind of put that on break for to fight the Japanese when they invaded. So it was very weird. And then Roosevelt died, so that never came to be. But they, oh. they were—they called themselves, of course, would be the four sheriffs, you know, to police the world. I wonder how that could have played out because that's probably that's not Second Amendment like terror right there. Because that's that's literally the entire nation we're going to take your guns. Oh, excuse me, not the entire nation, the entire world we're going to take your. Well, guns. Well, no, the, the people could keep their rifles, anything more advanced than a rifle. So people would, you know, countries wouldn't be able to tanks. Now, granted, I'm sure France and all these other allies that just served, you know, Brazil sent troops, so did Mexico. Like, I'm sure they all would be like, wait, what the hell? But, you know, it's it's kind it of crazy. Be hell to enforce. Oh, God, yes. I couldn't imagine having four, granted, economically and militarily very powerful countries try to get one even mediocrely sized country to not build planes. Yes, or like, combat planes. But yeah. we also need to remember. Yeah, that's what I mean. One thing is also kind of understated is the U.S. economy was had to be slowed down during World War II because it was just starting to speed up. And then they realized the war would be over before we even reached full capacity. So some factories around 44, they realized, oh, we're actually doing pretty well. We got to put the brakes on this now. Um, and then they figured out how to, you know, do all that stuff. Any rate. So yeah, the four sheriffs were the U.S., the United Kingdom, the Soviet Union, and Nationalist China, and it never really came to be. Wow, I like that. That's a good one. You're sitting at two, I'm sitting at zero. Let's go into number two. What is the name of the IBM AI that spent three years learning how to cook and released 65 recipes into a book? It's not. Is it Watson? It is Watson. Oh, Watson, Watson. Yeah, Watson, Watson's been doing a lot of things since the 2011 victory in Jeopardy. He's put a lot of time in his retirement. He's not letting a single moment go to waste. I'm yeah. so proud of him or so, her, however Watson wants to identify. Right. I mean, obviously, Watson is really uh, a concept of a computer, from what I understand, because the Watson that played Jeopardy is not the same Watson that's looking at medical data today. Is the same methodology of an AI and is the same like base 
kind of starting point, but they tweak Watson every once in a while, and I'm assuming they make copies of him, of it. Of them? Yes, of them at this point. Watson spent three years learning how to cook and read through thousands of recipes to learn what foods are commonly paired, knowing that like garlic and oregano often go together and things like that. He helped a chef who wanted to make a savory burrito, so the chef put Austrian chocolate in the burrito, and Watson came up with what other ingredients and spices and herbs would match do you well mean, with the burrito. Do you mean a sweet burrito? No, it specifically said a savory burrito because it's like yes. a dark chocolate. It's a, I like it. You go, a chef wanted to make a savory burrito. Like, they're all savory. Yeah, he said savory burrito, and then the next line was Austrian chocolate in the burrito. And I was like, okay, that sounds... It sounds like interesting. So he helped the chef who doesn't know what the fuck food is. Well, no, it's like an experimental kitchen in L.A. I don't even remember the name of it, but um, no, it's called the Crack House. Yeah, well, the Crack House had an incredibly powerful AI computer in its house for three years, and it learned how to cook. Dude, that makes that makes that's completely possible. Crack is expensive. Watson can also help us diagnose cancer pretty accurately from the reading I was doing. Uh, most nurses that use Watson as an aide rely on Watson 90% of the time to help, you know, confirm suspicions and things like that. It's really amazing that what AI technology can do nowadays. Wow. Oh, yeah. Good for Watson. Yeah, well done. You're up to five now. Awesome. I thought that was too easy. Maybe I should have left the I- IBM out. Yes. Oh, well. Yes, probably. Oh, well. So I'm going to go on my next question. I just want to remind Max and the listener. I keep wanting to say the viewer, but you can't see us. I hope not. That my questions actually have a theme that connects them. Okay, you're saying remind, but you never said it at all today. No, I I didn't. You're reminding me because you told me earlier. Now I'm going to remind you that they have a theme. So, next question. In the latter half of the 20th century, the Great Britain, (laughs) the Great Britain, I was going to say the United Kingdom, and then I decided to switch to Great Britain midway through. The UK and Iceland got in several disputes. What was the disputes all about? Okay, I know it isn't that island, because that's, I thought, like, Canada and Iceland or something like that, or like Denmark and Iceland. I like he said, I know it isn't that island. Which island is it, Tasmania? No, there's this one like tiny island that they have a friendly dispute and one military will come onto the island, switch the flag, and then leave like some whiskey. And then a week later, the next military will come, take the whiskey, leave some like bourbon or something, and replace the flag. That sounds And it's the friendliest conflict known to man. Oh, God. I love it. Well, this conflict was not that friendly yeah so this is the united kingdom and iceland you said and iceland and the dispute was over in the later half of the 20th century the dispute was over uh oil drilling rights in that neck of the woods of of the ocean good guess but no okay i'm going to say that the dispute was over who owned the North Pole? Though I think by that time the dispute was probably already settled. Because I know now that's international. No. I'll give you a free hint. Thank you. What is something that is prevalent in both of their cuisines? Oh. Is it about fish? Is it yes. About fishing dispute? Yes, it's about fish it's and fishing, fishing rights. Fishing These were rights. known as the Cod Wars. 
Oh, I've totally heard about these before. So it was all about and mash. fishing rights and where they could fish and where their fleets could fish. It got big. It's There was one in 58 to like 61, one from like 75 to 76, and then or 72 to 73, and one from 75 to 76. Like the Coast Icelandic Coast Guard and the Royal Navy got involved. The Icelandic Coast Guard would go and cut off the nets, go by ships, British fishing ships, and cut the nets off, which was probably horrible. Some poor whale got caught in a net or something. That's pretty brutal. And like people got injured. Um, the Soviet Union wanted influence over Iceland, so they started buying Icelandic fish, and the U.S. freaked out. So they want they told <laughs> they, the U.S. the U.S. didn't want the Soviet Union to get influence over Iceland. Because it was a fight between two NATO members. So they told Spain and Italy to buy a bunch of Icelandic fish and kind of pressured them into it. And finally, what happened was Iceland threatened to pull out of NATO. And NATO realized the area around Iceland and Iceland itself could be a way to a choke point for naval combat potentially with the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. So they they kind of gave in and Iceland got a good uh, couple hundred nautical miles outside of its island to be its fishing range. And, and UK was the big loser there. But yeah, that was the cod wars. I love it. So you've got one point to five. Man, that was a lot of war just for some, you know, fish and ships. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, there were, I, mean, I, obviously I think it's only a, a few people economic, were injured. It's a massive economic industry for the two nations. So yeah. I understand. Very much so. It was a bad, it was, it did a huge economic blow to the UK. My third question for you, Michael, is where is most of the quote-unquote money in the world? Where is most of the money in the world? You just did bunny ears, so I'm going to say oh. it's online? That is a excellent, excellent guess. But it's not right, But is it? I would want something more specific than that. like a, like a It's in the cloud. No. It's uh, not in the cloud. Fuck. I'm sorry. Amazon isn't stockpiling imaginary cash in the cloud. No, it's like it's in so clouds. Rich. Like they shredded the money and turned it into water vapor. Oh. That is now every like time you this. see a cloud, every time it rains, it's raining money. Um, so we should like put dust in the atmosphere to try to make it rain money. So when, when people say let it rain. Make it rain. They're make actually, it rain. They're talking people, literally. It's not just it really is. Hip hop is really just trying to let everyone know about the money. About the, the money sky. in the clouds. Um, Lucy in the skies with diamonds. They've been put up there. Oh my God. We're on this. We, this is this the Illuminati podcast now. Oh did, God, did we no. Solve it? Please don't descend into that podcast. I don't want to be any one of Mike, those. Mike, is someone knocking at the door? No. It's, you know who's knocking on the door? It's Jesus. He's trying to get us back on track. Okay. Um, Mike, what's your third guess? Uh, is it not? It's. Unless cloud wasn't like an actual guess. No, I thought I thought the cloud, the cloud, like no, I don't mean more specific in terms of like what product. I mean terms specific of like uh, if you talk to a financial investor or someone who is like big into economics. Oh, it's in it's in um. They would say this is where most of the money is in the world. It's in it's in how, fuck, what is it's like in houses or something, right? It's in something. It's in it's in investments. It's in investments. That is too vague. Can you be more accurate with your investments? Um, it's in four hundred one ks or something like that. No, four hundred one ks is way down on the list. I, I've I've you I given did up. say I, houses. I like twenty. It's in real estate. The second most is global real estate. The value of all real estate in the entire world and like what nations own as a whole is the second most 
monetary thing. The second most, there's where all the money is, right? Most most money is theoretical, right? Of all of the money that humans, like people, individuals own, only a tenth of that amount of money is actual physical currency, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you expand it more than that, you have things like global housing investment, right? Then even on top of that, you have the stocks themselves, but the stocks are still actual value of current company. The thing where most of the money in the world is in the future. It's in futures. It, yeah, so in derivatives markets, derivatives markets, which I, are all about what could happen and what could be worth something. I just love you're like, there is no physical money. It's not actually real. And somewhere in his grave, Mark's just like, yes. I was right. <laughs> um, also, like what you said, the houses thing, it just reminded me of that scene from It's a Wonderful Life where there's the bank run or the ro- attempted run on the bank and they're all trying to take the money out of their the account, the home building loan company he has. Right. And he's like, no, you don't understand. Your, your money is in his house and his money's in, in your house. and You know, and James Stewart just kind of, and they give away their honeymoon money and it's a big heartwarming moment. Yeah. What a good movie. That is a good movie, and it does explain how banks work in like a pretty decent way, actually. Well, they're building like a in, they're building a loan company, right? Specifically, right? But they just want to make sure people can go to Mr. Potter because Mr. Potter, you're you're a dick, Mr. Potter. So to to elaborate just a little bit more to cover my butt, um, examples of derivatives include uh, future contracts, forward contracts, options, uh, warrants. And swaps. And these are normally like big company things. Um, most of these are actually really public, but they're, um, I mean, they sort of work like stocks in a lot of ways, but it's like a bigger picture aspect. And that value is lowballed at something like $544 trillion. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Global, global real estate being the next biggest at $217 trillion. Okay. Yeah. So now on to, actually, I think it's time. We're going to take a little moment here to thank our sponsors. I'd like to thank the Mercury Theater and their wonderful production of War of the Worlds. And I also want to thank Bebop Rebarb, Rhubarb Pie. You couldn't save that one for a little bit later. Bebop Rhubarb, Rhubarb Pie. Bebop Rhubarb, Rhubarb Pie. Well, we don't have... We don't have the full band with us today, so we can't review the full song. Yeah. So that's a little thanks. Shout out to our sponsors. And now I'm going to go and ask Max the third question I have. Mm-hmm. So you've all seen uh, movies that take place in you know, 1700s or 1800s, and there's pirates and suts, and they say, where's your piece of eight? You know, in a Cornish accent like that. But where do pieces of eight come from? Oh, man, I'm really upset that you... Uh mentioned this because i was actually just uh reading about this the other day or i I read some pirate thing the other day and um they definitely said piece of eight Mm -hmm. now there's several acceptable answers because they're all they all there's like kind of one right answer but they all several answers i will accept they're pretty much so my idea here is that a pirate ship probably had like eight people on it maybe ish if it's a small pirate ship and so they would divvy up any amount of loot into eight pieces and so you would have a piece of eight sort of like a pizza pie like that it's, is it's your share that is an adorable answer 
but it is wrong because it completely underestimates how big and complicated these ships were to operate. Right. And I'm and I kind of realized that going into it, but I just assumed it had something to do with like, oh, like two parts blank, one parts blank. Okay, well if the whole is eight parts, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A piece of eight would be like a piece of a large piece of currency. Like there was some gold or like platinum currency at the time in that time and era. And a piece of it could be a couple of silver or copper or whatever the, the currency was, the paper money. And having that was a piece of like eight pieces that would make a whole of a larger piece of currency. No, but okay. I will say the one thing that is correct is it was silver. Oh, they physically cut a coin, a silver coin, into eight pieces. Is that your final guess? Yeah, I guess it is now. No. No, it's clearly wrong because you asked me that question. A piece of eight is also known as the Spanish dollar. Spanish dollars were, were of course, um, part of Spanish currency. And there was another bit of currency called the reales. And a Spanish dollar was equal to eight reales, or reals, or real. And therefore, it was a peso de ocho, or piece of eight. Now, the Spanish dollar, this is interesting, it was so widespread because the Spanish Empire was just so big from the 15th and 16th, 17th centuries, it was so widespread that it was the international currency. It was also very easy to reproduce, so people used it. It was the basis for the U.S. dollar, the Canadian dollar, the Japanese yen, the Chinese guan, um, and the Philippine peso. And again, this the is word, because these guys were going everywhere. Yeah, and the also and it was place. easy it was easily re- easily replicate the machining and milling standards. <clears throat> and I mean the word pesos comes from that. And in fact, even until 1857, if you had a if you were in the United States and you had a Spanish dollar, you could have been in Ohio and given someone a Spanish dollar and they would have had to accept it. It was legal tender wow. until 1857. That's amazing. Yep. All right, Mike, that is your third question. I did not get it. We're still sitting at five to one. Oh, yeah. My question is, this is this is my token physics question of the week. And by of the week, I mean of this episode. Why is it colder in the winter and warmer in the summer? There are two reasons for this. I would like to hear you say both. But that might be asking too much of you. The axial tilt of the Earth. The axial tilt of the Earth is the base reason. What are the two consequences of the Earth having an axial tilt? It means that because we are close to the sun, there's more sunlight coming in, more heat and energy in the atmosphere in the northern hemisphere. It is not because we're closer to the sun. Actually, we're up here in the northern hemisphere during our uh, summers. We're actually farther away from the Earth than during, or excuse me, we're farther away from the sun than during our winters. We're closer to the sun in our winters in the northern hemisphere. That has to do with the orbit, like where we are in the orbit. Oh, is it? Is it because, it, does it mean that we are spinning faster than the bottom part because no, of tilt? we are not spinning faster because of the bottom part. I don't know. Um, I've never seen a sphere ever. They kept me in a box during gym class, so I wasn't allowed out. Um, I mean, the, the surface of the Earth is pseudo-fluid, but not that pseudo-fluid. It's still pretty rigid. The bottom half and the top half kind of spin at the same rate. Um, so that's my two guesses so far. It's uh, well, What happens during the winter compared to the summer? Like, What's one thing you've noticed besides it being cold? 
there's snow. It's drier. No. What Christmas. Happened? Is it about Christmas? <laughs> yes. 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 I'm going to say Christmas. It is about Christmas. You're right. You're right. God said, hey, I want everyone to be snuggled up for my son's birthday when they enjoy it as a family. Let's and make sure only in the Northern Hemisphere. And though. only in the Northern Hemisphere because they're the only ones that matter. The Southern Hemisphere can just barbecue. The Australians are not the chosen people. No. So what happens on December 22nd? The winter solstice. The, the shortest day of the year. Your days get shorter and so you see less sunlight and you get less energy from the sun. Because we're tilted away from the sun, right? Yeah. Now, it's not because we're farther away from the sun. It's just that when we spin the angle of where the sun is, it's easier for it to go around the horizon and not where we are. Because it's shallower. Oh, okay. Right? Because we're tilted away from it. So, we're getting less sunlight hours. We're getting less sunlight hours. That's reason number one. Reason number two, because we're on this angle, the light that's hitting us isn't as direct. And so per like square meter or square foot, whatever you want to use, you actually get less energy. So not only are we seeing the sun for less hours, we're also getting less energy during those hours. And so it gets colder. I get less energy during these hours. I also just want to point out that that statement about Australians not being the chosen people will get us so many letters. From Australia? Yeah, but they'll be upside down. I was about to make the upside down joke. You, you son of a bitch uh, our mother listens to this podcast and i just called her a bitch well you you didn't have to say that now you just did well, I'm no just, i already i'm did sorry mom i'm sorry mom i'm really sorry but oh. you can share this podcast with your mother if you if you want to yes um, share if your mom's cool like that you can share it with your mom or anyone anyone you think might enjoy this podcast don't keep it for yourself don't be that kind of dick share the podcast yeah we'd really appreciate it if you shared it um um you know have a friend listen to it you don't need to glue them to the chair though that might help and you know if they like it great if you don't like the podcast you're listening maybe you're listening to this episode for the first time and you don't like the podcast send it to your worst enemies and say hey maybe we can make amends listen to this and just have them suffer great pitch great pitch right there thanks man so max as you know i am not a python and therefore, I cannot unhinge my jaw and swallow a pizza whole. I must take the pizza and cut it up into different pieces. Into eight pieces. These pieces are called slices. Now, my question is, how many slices of pizza does the average American consume in their life? In their life? In their life. Oh, my Lord. Good my golly, Miss Molly. He oh, went there. Man. Okay, so you're going to hate me for this. I hate you regardless. Everyone's going to turn the podcast off for this. But let me work a little bit of magic. So we just had pizza today. I had three slices of pizza. If I do this every day for my entire life. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but You would die from I malnutrition. Would assume, you know, the common American you said? The average American. The average American, not the common American. The average American. It does, it, the common American just is... As a little class implication there. I'm going to say the average American gets pizza maybe once to twice a month. And I'd say they probably have like three slices of pizza, but maybe two slices of pizza. So 24, 30, that's about 30 slices in a year. Maybe 30, I'll say 35. Then they live about 80 years. Wait, what was the question? 
How much? Lifetime. How many slices of pizza will the average American eat in their lifetime? Okay, so let me do some heavy rounding here and say a hundred, then thirty. So I'll say about three thousand slices of pizza in their lifetime. Incorrect. What's my plus or minus here? Ye- plus or minus? Is it two slices? Like, come on. I'm gonna say plus or minus a thousand. Oh lord. So that means it's somewhere between 2,000 and 4,000 was my guess. Oh, no. Am I really low? You're oh. low. You're lower than what it is. Oh, I'm a little scared to know the answer now. I'm a <laughs> little scared to know the answer. You might be a little ashamed of the answer. I, I'm not sure I wanted I'm um, 10,000 slices of pizza? Okay, that's a little high. Okay. Oh, thank Lord. Thank, thank whatever You got one more guess, buddy. In. I'm going to say... You could officially double your points if you get this right. Can I? What? What? Yeah. If you oh, get this right, you one. have two points. Yeah, all right, thanks. I thought you were giving me a, an offer. No. Six and a half thousand. It's six thousand. So, so yeah, you it. get a point. Boom. Well done. That's a point. It's six thousand slices of pizza on it. No, this twice is twice my guess. My original This was a, a New York a New York paper did this with the, with a pizza chain, CC's, and kind of... <gasps> okay well wait hold on cc's is different because we've never been to a cc's but one thing i do know from cc's from another they podcast have, they have six thousand slices of pizza to no, offer is that their pizza slices are a lot smaller than the average pizza like if you and me got a medium-sized pizza the slices of pizza from that za yes but we also need to realize we've been to places that do score the square slices we we live in uh we're from connecticut so we're in the pizza belt, so we have a lot of different pizza options, but we don't have every pizza slot. You know, we haven't been to every pizza place in Connecticut yeah, or in New no York. In so there's no, I mean, there's no definitive size of how big the slice is, but this is really on average. Also, CC's is an all-you-can-eat buffet, if I be, if I remember correctly. Yes. It's an all-you-can-eat pizza buffet, which yep. sounds like heaven, but I'm just saying they're going to skew those numbers. I'm upset. I think my 3,000 guess is far more accurate to the true value well i'm still gonna just give you the one point so Obviously. fuck you um yeah it's like that old saying any pizza is a personal pizza if you believe in yourself <laughs> every pizza is a personal pizza if you believe in yourself michael my fifth and final question for you is kind of a gimme maybe it is you constantly find ways to disappoint me That's so let's my run in life this. You know states have a slew of nicknames. I have a list of a few here, six in all. I want you to try to get all six. I guess in theory, each one's worth half a point. Okay. Which of the following titles goes to the following states? Forever West. That's just the, I'm giving you one nickname. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was like, why is there a pause here? I'm going to give you one nickname You had a time, stroke again. And you need to, well, because I'm not going to, yeah. You need to, you give, need to get this checked. This brain need, hemorrhaging is a problem. <laughs> you, I'm going to give you a title, right? And yeah, it, shows, nickname and... It, it, it shows up maybe on their license plate, or maybe it's a, a name that's commonly referred to by the people who live there, or maybe it's on some signs. It doesn't matter. It's a, it's a well-known. I'm going to say right off the back, Forever nickname. West is fucking pretentious. Forever West is the one and only thing here. I don't know why I put it in quotes. I put this one in quotes, none of the others, just Forever West. Maybe because okay. I knew. Okay, Forever West is one. Yeah. Again, I'm giving you one at a time. Wyoming. 
correct. Holy fuck nuts. Wyoming, I'm sorry. You're probably a lovely state. I haven't been. I believe you're a lovely state. I've heard good things, but that I've is pretentious there. as fuck. Oh, it's a beautiful state, Mike. You've got to go. Yeah, just I will. Just, just, just change the nickname. Or Cody, the Wyoming, Cody, Wyoming, going to do a shout out to you guys. You're a weird place. Not that I disliked it. It's just a strange. Okay, what what nickname do I get next? Location: the Ocean State. Oh, that's uh, that's New Jersey. No, 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 Rhode Island. Rhode Island. It's Rhode Island. Oh God, why did I say New Jersey? New Jersey's the Garden State. Rhode Island's the Ocean State. I apologize. I apologize to Rhode Island and all three people who live there. Um, yeah, I'm really surprised you so. Why did I? I I just I I just died right in there. You knew yeah, that. Yeah, I knew that. I just shamed. I penance something. All right, Mike, the gem state. The gem state, the gem state, the gem state. New Hampshire's the granite state. The gem state is We've got a United States flat oh, excuse me. We have a United map. States map here in this room, but it's not gonna help Michael at all. Is it Colorado? It is not Colorado. It is Idaho. Idaho, huh? Huh. Makes sense. Here's a good one. The Peach State. Georgia. Oh, man. I was kind of hoping you would second guess it and get it wrong. <laughs> I just, I, Rhode Island. Now it's Rhode yes, Island. It's Rhode saying. Island now. <laughs> okay, so I got one point yep. so far. Yep, see if I can get two. Point. Yep. Land of Enchantment. Land of Enchantment. Land of Enchantment. I should know this. I don't think you. Arizona. Incorrect. It's it New, Mexico. New Mexico. It's the other one. Sorry. Yep. yep. We probably saw both of those license plates at the same time. Sooner State. Oh, oh, that's uh, Oklahoma. Wow, well done. Yep. Okay, nice, nice. So that's 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 two whole points. I could have given no. You a that's lot. one and a half points. You're or... right. Sorry, that's that's one and a half points. Okay. I could have given you a bunch harder ones, and for whatever reason, I decided not to, and I really so I'm up to six and a half points now. Because well, okay, last time I gave you a geographical question, you disappointed me, and so I thought I'd give it make it a little bit easier. But also leave room for disappointment. Yeah. Now I get the best of both worlds. I like these multiple choice questions. Okay. I feel I feel choice. bad for the way I've I've worded my questions and decide to go with them, but I feel they're interesting anyway. No, your questions are excellent, Michael. Don't let anyone, especially me, tell you otherwise. No, I don't actually believe that at all. I'm just trying to pretend that I am human and care about other people. Yes. Um, yes, those ratings. That's what we were talking about last week. I know. What 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 do humans want? All right, Max, my final question for the for the podcast is this. Okay. Well, not for the podcast, but for the for our segment here. So, France, between the two wars, made a massive defensive fortification called the Maginot Line. It's had barbed wire and pillboxes and fortresses all over it, like big fortresses that had like hangars in them and movie theaters with yeah. troops and all this other stuff all over the, the, the uh, extent of the French border with... Yeah. Germany. Mm-hmm. I know it well. Why did the Maginot Line fail? Because Germany just went around it twice. What, do you want me to get more specific? Because Germany marched through the neighboring country north of it, which was, uh, oh, geez. Um, that's, that's... My geography. I know, that, I know that's what happened, but that's incorrect. Why did the Maginot Line fail? I could have sworn it was literally just, hey, it's really well defended. Let's just go around it. And that's what they did again twice so maybe i'll rephrase my answer and say is it because it was too well fortified and so they ignored it they said this is too hard we're gonna go a different route no max you're going to hate me for the answer but i don't care 
Oh man. Was I right with Belgium though? Was that is that the country next they door? They did they did go through Belgium, yes. Okay. Thank God. That's how it I know they did it through both wars. Geometry. They basically just said, hey, that worked before. The line failed because it's not a line, it's like a squiggly line? <laughs> no. Okay, you said you said you was gonna hate you, so I picked up a bad answer. So the line didn't fail. In fact, the whole point of the Maginot line oh. was to send them up through Belgium. So what happened was they oh. wanted to make a line because Belgium would be where the Germans would attack. And there are two parts of Belgium. The northern plains, where the Germans would likely go, and the Ardennes, the massive forest, a lot of forests, a lot of hills, rocky, not good. So the plan was the Germans would ignore the Maginot line, say, fuck that shit, and then go around through Belgium, where the French... The Belgians, of course, and the English, and it would all, and the UK would all take them out. So the Germans flipped that. So they did everything right, and the Germans knew that was their only chance. But the Germans decided to switch their plans, and instead of going through the northern plains, they went through the Ardennes, the forest, mm. which was insane, absolutely insane, to the point that and it really was. War is often won by the person who makes the least mistakes. And in that situation, the person who made the least mistakes were the Germans. They went through the Ardennes, and the French forces encountered them there. But the French generals and stuff, when they got the reports, they assumed it was a distraction. It was, oh, they're going through the Ardennes, so they distract us and move more troops away from the northern plains. It was the opposite. And it was a fuckfest. I mean, it was the, the German armored push and motorized push through the Ardennes was the biggest traffic jam in history at that point. Are you are you talking about World War II here? This is World War II. Okay, because I do remember from Hardcore History, an excellent podcast. I'm pretty sure it's Hardcore History. Uh, excellent podcast. He did an entire long-winded mini, uh, uh, long-winded episode on World War One. several episodes. And he mentioned how Germany in the beginning of World War One was just, we're going to try to end this war as fast as we can. And there's a there's a sweet spot in time where we know if we don't already, if we haven't already won, this war is going to be really long. And so they tried to go through Belgium because they thought the line would be too difficult. And they got slowed down by Belgium so much so that they knew this is going to be a really long and brutal war. Well, yeah. So they, they are in occupying Belgium for the entirety of the war from then on. Right. But so they went through there again and had the allies noticed and realized what was going on, they could have taken out the entire German armored forces right there. But they didn't. And the Germans were able to break through and extend quickly to the point now that the French, of course, the army was just in a way that it couldn't respond quick enough. So the British tried to respond and they, they got trapped at Dunkirk and the French army, the, the, the Germans ended up reaching the, uh, the Atlantic. In fact, uh, Rommel's army um, went so fast that the rest of the German army high command lost track of them oh, oh, oh. wow so and this was now this was of course what, what's really interesting about this is so here's one thing about german logistics during world war ii the problem with german logistics in the german army is this they were never told what the plans were or never consulted often like this entire plan was hugely risky the german logistics you know people in charge of that in the army were never told. They were kind of just said, hey, just do this and do this and make this happen. They were never told, hey, can we do this? They were just told, hey, you're going to do this for us. And it's probably why, you know, a lot of reasons, you know, in the what happened to Germany in the war. But 
they were always just told this is what we're going to do and they had to figure out a way to make it work so yeah and that's the germans kind of reached through and it was really interesting germany could have had had the allies instead of waited for germany to attack france after the fall of poland had they just moved in against germany they probably could have taken germany out but that whole shock of moving in quickly and that just lucky draw and they took french right out of the war france right out of the war and it was kind of just a stroke of luck there wow that's amazing it's it's constantly boggles my mind how much information was not only just bent or misinterpreted or purposely skewed um, during World War II, but more importantly, just how critical it was. It seems that information, because of the pacing of that war and how you could move troops in that day and age, and how that suddenly was such a big thing with uh, advanced airplanes and boat craft and all of those things to make troops far more mobile than any other time in history that that information of where troops actually were was not easy to come by and was far more important than I feel like any other time in military military history. Yeah. Constantly blows my mind. And you had even more logistics because you had fuel, you had still horses to feed, you had men to feed, you had ammo, you had, you had med- medical care, yeah. all of that. And yeah. then you had, after Dunkirk, the British army had left all its equipment in France. So they were behind right so they they had to between america and everyone else they had to catch up with their industrial production everything else and france was out and their ships you know they had an empire to maintain and everything else they they had a huge you know problem right there because they had their men back but and a bunch of french men they were able to rescue but but that's it they they lost almost all their equipment right and they were like well damn and then it was up to the uh the royal air force who did and the navy to kind of hold them off while the army rebuilt there and continued to fight the Germans elsewhere in the, in the empire. So with that... Yep. I am sitting at uh, one point, two points? And I'm sitting at six and a half points. Yeah. No, I'm like sitting a, at two points. Excuse like me. a king. Yes. Like a great king on a mighty, mighty throne. We're going to get to your prize in a second, Mike, but I wanted to share again with all of our listeners you can follow us on facebook we've got a facebook group we've got a twitter at ufaq podcast we've got a gmail that you can send comments questions if you want to ask us a trivia question and get it on the podcast you can do that either at the twitter handle i just said or at ufaq podcast at gmail.com we'd appreciate if you blocked out your answer somehow or maybe put it in like another reply and so i could just sort of ignore it ask the question and Mike and I could work together to get it or maybe one of us will put it into our lists maybe maybe we'd also like to thank Joaquim Karud for the use as our theme song the Milky Way Max what did you learn this episode Mike I learned about the four sheriffs of then national China the USSR United Kingdom and America under Roosevelt's idea that they would demilitarize and most of the world down to just rifles and just try to keep everyone really, really calm during all of this process as it would go on in the, the reimagined United Nations that Roosevelt had planned. And I find that incredibly fascinating for so many reasons. 
Mike, what did you learn this week? I learned that Watson has been able to learn to be a chef. It took him three years. took them three years, which I was quite impressive for me, the, the length. And also that the pharaoh in the first kingdom, in the first dynasty, would uh, go around asking for tits. <laughs> like some kind of fucking pervert. Like an asshole. Uh, well, okay, we have to say April 15th would be a little bit more enjoyable if that's what taxes were. Yeah, well, if, yeah, if, you know, if some massive king came down like a frat bro asking for tits the entire time, I would be highly uncomfortable with that. I'm not going to lie. I think I would be too. I like to think I would be, but if that was the norm and that's how it'd been happening for 5,000 years. That that's seems like a worked. horrible, horrible precedent to set. That would be a horrible one. So I'm going to cut you off before you incriminate yourself anymore. Well, so as always, wait, no, I need to give you a goddamn prize. Oh, right. As always, I get a prize. Michael, your prize this week, uh, as you probably inferred, um, from the beginning is a plate of nachos from Chuck E. Cheese's. It's two months old. I'm so sorry. The Chuck E. Cheese's nearby closed down and I thought, well, I got to get it while it's still there. And so I bulk ordered uh, way too much of it. And so here's some leftovers. Why, thank you. I will treasure this until the end of this podcast when I will immediately throw it away. Okay, that's probably best for your health. So, as always... This is Unfrequently Asked Questions. I'm Michael Hotkowski. I'm Max Hotkowski. And please, stay curious.